If you were here last week, it was Easter, and we talked about magic Jesus. And we talked about the fact that a lot of times we think that Jesus, um, or we maybe even act like, or some people act like, Jesus is kind of a magic wand. And when we get into a bind, we really need him to show up, right? We really need him to bail us out. And the reality of the matter is, is that there is some magic to Jesus, but it isn't really that. The magic of Jesus was the fact that the tomb was empty. And we talked also about the fact that Jesus, in some supernatural way, call it magic if you will, that somehow in John 1 we learned that when we receive Jesus and we believe in Jesus, somehow he creates the, the right for us to become children of God, which is a transformation. It's a new nature. It's completely different, right? Which is amazing. Um, and so this... this uh, message today is kind of a continuation a little bit of that, because as you think about how people perceive God, today it's talk, we're talking about your own personal Jesus, your own personal Jesus. We just love the idea that, and it's human nature, right, that we kind of do want Jesus to be, and we want maybe human nature that we want to be served just in general, and then when we apply that to Jesus, we apply that to God, we apply that to church, we're like, Jesus, um, here's what I need. I need you to kind of operate as my servant in a way. We don't never, ever, we would never say that, but maybe we're attitude, our attitude can sometimes be that way. And so as we think about your own personal Jesus, where do you fall on that? You know, is God personal? Oh, there he is. Hey, Ape Jesus, there he is. Welcome. So Come on over. And, and so he becomes this, this kind of like we serve, we, he serves us, we don't serve him. But the reality is, is that we really do are called to serve and, and serve the purposes of God. And, and so as you think about that, um, we're going to go right to the video real quick. There's, there's culture is just, it's not, he, whoa, he's left the building. All right. So he, um, he, we, our culture, right, our culture is so just pervasive. A couple weeks ago, we looked at a Subway video. Appreciate that, yeah, right? Good. It was very bizarre. Um, but this idea that you should be served all the time um, is something that we need to see. So let's check out this video um, real quick. When I'm at Target, I can't forget dog food. Target, dog food, Target, dog food. Remember to find that photo from Orlando, fix these brakes, figure out how to make an exploding glitter cake by morning. Stupid lights. This guy looks amazing. I look amazing. I should take a selfie. Oh, hey, buddy. Are you gonna wake me up for my 9 a.m. meeting? No way. <laughs> hey, go, go. Hi, what can I do for you? Yeah, so Google is basically figuring out that what you really want in your life is a butler. That's what you really want. Anybody want a personal butler? You guys down? No? Yeah, you do. Everybody kind of does. It's human nature. We want things to be served up to us. So this idea of a personal Jesus, most people, most people um, today are not sitting in church. The, the stats show that most people, um, the church attendance is on the decline. So kudos to you guys for today. I mean, you're in the elite group. Oh, great job, all right? Give yourself a hand. Um, but most people, when it comes to God, if they believe in God, they, they kind of believe a few different things. And this is not an exhaustive list by any means. But there's definitely one thing that they would say is that God started the universe and he spun it all into motion and then he walked away. 
God is magic is the first one. We just talked about that. God spun the world into existence and then walked away is another way to look at it. And a lot of people think of that. Anybody ever run into someone that believes that? It's kind of like, hey, yeah, you know what? He just spun it all together and then he walked away. No, no personal aspect to it at all. But then there's also people that believe that faith is personal, that it's, it's a personal thing. Don't bring it up, you know, um, in terms of like in conversation, at parties, you know, at work, do not bring it up, you know. But maybe it's personal enough that I might, I might share it with some of my really close friends, but it's not going to be any, any more than that. But then there's also people that would say that their faith is private, like straight up private. Don't even talk about it at work. Don't even bring it up to anybody. My beliefs and my relationship with God is absolutely between me and God. And there's no, there's no talking about it with anybody else. And, and so I think that, you know, as you perceive that list and, and you hear me talking, and I, and I might say this next, I might say, you know, I'd like to say that all of those things are completely wrong. And some of you might expect me to say that. But what I'm going to say quickly is that all of those perspectives are actually a little bit right. A little bit right. And here's how we're going to kind of piece that together. Um, let's look at the fact that, did God spin the universe into existence and walk away? Well, we're going to look at a passage from Psalm 19. Um, Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. This is an indicator. This is um, communicating that God did spin the universe into existence. The, the question is, is, did he walk away? Let's look at Psalm 139, just quickly. This is a great, these two, these two chapters in Psalm, great reads later on today. Psalm 139, just thir verses 13 and 14 says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. So when we think about God and him spinning the universe into existence, he did not walk away, but he is intimately and intricately involved in you, in you. And so there is a personal aspect to this, that our faith and our, our God is very personal. Now, the question I would say is, how does that change your perspective about God? If God is personal. How does that change your values? How does that change your motives? How does that change um, our actions? Um, when it comes to uh, privacy, our, our God being private, there's some truth to that too. Um, you know, for instance, Jesus talked about the fact that when you give, you shouldn't like make a big blow trumpets and, and tell everyone how much you're giving. That's when we talked about the Easter offering. You know, we said we brought in a little over $19,000 and everyone clapped, right? Yeah. Right. This is interactive time, okay? But what I didn't say is, you know, hey, we brought in a little bit over $19,000. I really appreciate Robert's gift of, uh, you know, $500. That was very generous of you, Robert. Awesome. I also appreciate Jordan coming in with a, with a strong $25. I appreciate that, Jordan. Pat, you know, your $5. I really appreciate that. We didn't do that, right? And it's because if there is some privacy, some, sometimes there's, he also said, you know, when we pray, when we fast, you know, you know don't, don't look like that. Don't let everyone know and like make a big deal about it. Do that privately. So there's some truth to that. But I really think the idea of God being not far away, not disengaged, but being personal and actually having a personal relationship with us is very, very... Um, it's life-changing. 
It's life-changing. How would it change your perspective on your faith and on God if you knew that he was intricately involved in your life? How would it change your motives, the, way, the reasons you do things, your values, why you do things, and obviously what you do, your actions? How would it change those things if you knew that Jesus really knew you and was next to you and was all about you? We're going to look at a passage in, in uh, John, in John chapter 1. If you have a Bible, could I get a couple of friends to help me pass out Bibles? If you would like a Bible, it is absolutely 100% more awesome for you to read these words out of, off the page of a, of a Bible than it is to read them off the screen up here. So if you raise your hand, we'll get you a Bible. And um, turn to John chapter 1. And we're going to look at a story, while you guys turn there, we're going to look at a story of a kind of like little mentioned, little known disciple um, known as Nathaniel. Nathaniel was one of the 12 disciples. He's known in John as Nathaniel, but he's known in the other three Gospels as Bartholomew. And we know that uh, most scholars believe it's the same guy. Um, basically, Philip and Nathaniel are buddies in John, and Philip and Bartholomew are buddies in the other three Gospels. So that's kind of how they do the math on that. But before we read this, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts to you, we open up our minds, and we ask you to change us. Lord, show us where we're maybe... Um, we've been misled about who you are. Maybe um, we've been um, maybe even just operating on a different level than what you really want us to. So God, change us today. In Jesus' name. So here's what happens. Basically, we pick up this story where Jesus is beginning to build his team. He's beginning to talk to the different disciples, and he's starting to build momentum with his team. And he's called a couple of guys already, Peter and Andrew and those guys. And here we pick up, he talks to Philip, and then he goes to Nathaniel. So here it is. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Now, we could stop there and have a talk for hours about the fact that Jesus didn't say, believe in me. He said, follow me, which is very telling. Follow me, and the belief will come after that. And so then... Philip decides. And so Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael, his buddy, and told him. Interesting thing there. We could talk about the fact when people meet Jesus, they tell their friends. This is interesting. We could talk about that, but we're not. Um, he, says to, he says to Nathanael, hey, man, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel, with all of the humility in the world, right, says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Anybody pick up on the, I mean, it's probably how he said it, but um, maybe not. Uh, anybody pick up on the superiority complex there? He's like, that zip code, don't fly for the Messiah. Nope, not, not cool. Like, Mokina? What can, it, can anything good come out of Mokina? I mean, bourbon A, can anything good come out of a... Yeah. Hit a nerve back there. Anything good come out of Moni? I mean, come on, wrong zip code. <laughs> Messiah could come out of there, man. I mean, the only thing, it, the only thing in Moni is corn and Amazon. And Amazon doesn't deliver corn, which is very odd to me. They probably do, though. Strike that from the record. Um, but he's a, so anyway, so he has a superiority complex. He's like, yeah, you know what, whatever. Philip says, come and see. Next slide. 
Just come and check it out. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He says something very personal about Nathanael. He tells about his character. He speaks to him about who he is and what he's all about. He says, this guy, he's got no deceit in him. And Nathanael says something back to him, and he doesn't quite say it like this, but I think he should have said, you don't know me. Like, how do you know me? You don't know me, Jesus. And Jesus answered, I saw you. Everybody say, I saw you. Ready? One, two, three. I saw you. I saw you. That one will mess you up. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus says to Nathaniel, I saw you before. Before you knew about me, before you believed in me, while you were under a fig tree, which could have meant, there's some indicators that it could have meant that Nathaniel was studying the, the word of God. Whatever Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree, Jesus says, I saw you before. I saw you before Philip told you about me. I saw you. And when he says that, it like rips Nathaniel to the heart, cuts him to the heart. And Nathaniel declares to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You are the one that I've been looking for. There is a transforma transformational moment right there where Nathaniel says, I receive, I believe, and he becomes a child. This is unbelievable stuff, right? This is, this is so personal for Nathaniel that he was called in the way that he was called. You know, I mean, you back up a slide or a page or a, a couple of verses, and you're, you're like, you know what? He, he sees Philip and he says, hey, man, follow me. But for whatever reason, Nathaniel has a special call here where he's, Jesus relates to him on a real heart level, talks about his character, talks about who he is, talks about what he's like, and says, I saw you before you, were even, knew, you even knew about me. I saw you. And Nathaniel just gives his life to him and says, hey, you're, you're it, man. You're it. But watch what Jesus says after this. It's powerful. Jesus said this. He says, you believe because I, I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, but you will see greater things than that. I kind of feel like Jesus was saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is a, this is a very, very con um, connected reference, it seems, to Jacob's ladder, right? Where the angels are ascending and descending. I mean, we don't know, but, you know, there is, he says there's no deceit in Nathaniel. Jacob was a deceiver. Then he's got this ref kind of like a reference, a visual reference to what, what Nathaniel would have known if he, would be, if he was studying scripture, he would have known this. And, and he's saying, like, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I'm the ladder. I'm the connection between heaven and earth. This is, this is it. And so as we think about this, I wanted us to understand it a little bit. I wanted us to unpack what was really happening. Um, number one, Jesus saw Nathaniel studying. He saw him under the fig tree, doing whatever he was doing. And I think that that's very personal, to know that he had some supernatural knowledge of that. He saw him in his superiority complex. 
Um, he saw him in this attitude of that he is better than everyone else, that there is, there is just got to be no way that anything could come out of that that would be good. And so he, Jesus sees him in that, and Jesus sees him in his doubt. How could anything good come out of that? In his doubt. I mean, you thought doubting Thomas was a thing. We don't ever talk about doubting Nathaniel. And yet Jesus saw him in his doubt about what good could come out of Nazareth. And even so, Jesus was looking for Nathaniel before Nathaniel was looking for Jesus. Jesus looks for us before we're looking for him. Because Jesus saw him and he revealed that supernatural knowledge to Nathaniel, Nathaniel chose to believe in him, and maybe that's where you're at. But my question to you is that um, a couple of things. Why is it that many times God feels far away? He doesn't feel personal at all. Now, we're not talking about a personal Jesus that does what we want, but it's a personal Jesus that cuts us to the heart and knows our true needs, right? Knows what we really need. Why does he seem so far away so many times? Well, there's a few reasons why I want to suggest to you that that God can feel very far away, and maybe you can relate. Number one, we forget that formulas don't work. You see, a lot of times, you ever know somebody where it's like, man, it just seems like they just know God so well. They always have something awesome to say in group, or they, they just always are talking about how they, they, they have like this amazing devotional life, and they're reading scripture all the time, and they have all this, and they're like, God told me this, and you're like, whoa, this is mind-blowing. Tell me what you do. How do you do it, man? Like, how is that a thing, Katie? Tell me what you do. And then they go through like their routine. And they'll tell you, like, okay, well, so I get up, and this is what I do, and then I kind of have this color highlighter and this, these, like, four-color pen thing that I click away, and then, you know, I highlight this for, like, things that Jesus said, and these are, this color is for things that I'm supposed to pray about, and all, and it's like, whoa, dude. And then you're like, all right, I need to go get that pen, and I need to get that highlighter, get that Bible, and you kind of put the routine together, and you start doing it. Anybody been there? And all of a sudden, you get there, and you're like, this is really a lot of work for me. I just don't understand why it's not working for me. You know why? It's because formulas don't work. God is personal. Jesus is personal, which means that our relationships with God are going to vary a little bit. That the way that, that we connect with God, there's books written about this. Like There's ways that some of us, we relate to God better in nature. And we, we worship God because we see him in every little thing. Um, there's, there's other um, attitudes where we, we just, man, music is where we, when worship is how we really connect with God. Some people, like, they, they're happy that the music's at the end because they try to get out early because they're like, music's not my thing. Formulas don't work. The second thing is, though, is that we don't look for him. We forget to look for him. You know, we will go through our days and we'll go through and we'll just, I mean, we get up, I don't know, what do you check first? Snapchat, Facebook, I mean, what's the deal? I don't know. What you, you check first, email. Nobody checks email. So, you, <laughs> so you, you, you check that first, and then before you know it, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to run a little late, got to go get ready, and then, and then you're on your way. And you go through your entire day, and you're like, man, I forgot to look for Jesus. There, maybe, maybe, could it be, if Jesus is personal, if God is personal, if the Holy Spirit that 
is in you is personal. It doesn't get any more personal than that. That There might be 5, 10, 15, 20 blessings that God is giving you. There might be 20 God moments or more in a day that you will miss. And I will miss. Why? Because I forget to look for him in the little things, in the little blessings, in the little moments. And what if you changed the way that you got up in the morning and you got up and you woke up and said, God, thank you for another day. You're obviously not done with me yet, right? And you began your day with him. So we, we forget to look for him, but I also think we forget to listen for him. And these are two things that Nathaniel did really well. He, he looked for Jesus. He was looking for the Messiah. Philip said, we found the guy we've been looking for. And, and he brings him to him, and so he sees Jesus, he looks at him, and then he listens to what Jesus says, and that is some intense words for Nathaniel related to him in some sort of way that caused him to give his, his belief over and say, you are, the, you are the Son of God. But we forget to listen for him. I mean, how many of us guilty as charged, right, that we, when we pray, we come with a list? It might be, not, some of us write it down. Some of us don't. But we come to God with a list, and we're like, let me just tell you all the things that I need today. And we go down the list, and things are rough, and all the things, and all the things that God already knows. But it somehow is like, it makes us feel better when we go through that entire list. And I guess I would ask the question is, how often do you just sit and listen to God? Just listen for the little voice, the whisper that says that you need to maybe adjust something or maybe you need to bless someone, be generous in some way. Um, how often do we forget to listen for him? Um, okay, so uh, let's lighten the mood a minute, right? So how many of you guys were stressed out this week? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, please talk to me after service. I'd like to know your secret, all right? Because if you said you were not stressed out, did you know that stress actually does all kinds of bad things to, to your, like, physical health, you know? Like, your brain is a problem, like, when you're stressed out. I mean, your breathing, like, everything is just a problem when you're stressed out. Um, let's just have some more fun. How many of you guys, how many of you grind your teeth at night? Anybody? All right, let me just diagnose you for a second. Um, just kidding. I mean, just pray about it, all right? We're not going to say this for sure. This isn't from the Lord. But here's what the studies show, all right? This is now, I'm just reporting facts, all right? Um, stress sends energy to your muscles, right? Which is probably good if you're, going, if you're, if you're being attacked by a herd of African wild dogs. You will want energy to be sent to your muscles so you can run away, right? Is anybody not, yeah, we all would want to run away. But what the studies show is that that stress can be worked out at night when the stress is, is kind of like activating and causing you to grind your teeth at night. Just a thing, just think about it. So these are the things that happen. And so um, we, uh, let me, let me just kind of take a, a, a small, quick rabbit trail. The first 120 days of 2018, we set out in January and said, we're going to focus. We're going to focus on our beliefs and our attitudes. We looked at salvation by grace. We looked at the, the, um, the importance of the word of God. We now, today, we're looking at the fact that God is a personal God, that he is, he is personal to us. He knows us. 
Um, and these beliefs and attitudes are something that we want to focus on on the weekends. But then we also wanted to focus on our personal disciplines. And we felt like our beliefs and attitudes and our disciplines combined were going to grow together in our faith. And so our personal disciplines, we went at it for um, a 40-day challenge, a soul challenge, where we did um, prayer and Bible reading every day for 40 days. And then we just finished, last week we finished, 40 days of a giving challenge. These came in the form of challenges. And so now, today, well, tomorrow, technically, we're starting our last challenge of this kind of like 120 days. So for the next 21 days, I'm challenging you to a 21-day solitude challenge. Where if you text that, be careful, all right? Because this is called a challenge for a reason. It is not going to be easy. Here's what I mean by that. When, when every morning at about 5 a.m., because some of y'all get up way too early, 5 a.m. you'll get a text. That text is going to have a link, and it's going to tell you, basically, here's a soul workout, we call them, and you're going to work out your soul. And in one of those rounds, it might say, it might say, sit, in, sit quietly before God for 10 minutes. When's the last time you did that? That's not going to be easy. But how many of you want and need to be challenged to be quiet? before God. How many of you need solitude in your life? Right on. Reflection in our life, right? And so we're going to do this for 21 days. Um, and then we're going to be at the end of these 120 days, and we're going to see what God did. We're excited about that. Oh, speaking of, another rabbit trail. At the end of this month, um, speaking of what God is doing in our lives, at the end of this month, last year we did this. We're going to do it again. Um, we did something called the college coup, where the college students basically take over second place, and uh, they do the message that morning. And that Saturday night. So uh, we heard from probably about, I don't know, 10 students last year. And so if you're a student, if you're a college student, and you're like, man, God has done something in my life this past year, I want to share. Um, please talk to me after service. I've already had several talk to me after first. But talk to me, and we'll kind of get everything kind of all arranged. But man, it is amazing when we share our stories, right? And college, college students are so much more, um, I guess, just not as, as uh, they don't hold back as much as adults. So I want you guys to lead out and sh show us how it's done. Um, and that's going to be on April 29th or 28th and 29th. Um, it's the last weekend before many commencements begin and all that fun stuff. And maybe the last weekend for some of you to be here, um, you know, for, the, for a long time because some of you are seniors. And so talk to me after service. Are you guys excited about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah eh, maybe. So, all right. So let's kind of wind this thing up. Let's, let's wind this thing up. We see that we need solitude. We need to look. We need to listen for Jesus. We need all of that. But I want to end this way, and I want us to really see something before the band comes up. And, well, you know what? You might as well come on up now, Josh. This is what I want us to remember. Jesus sees Nathaniel before Philip talks to him. And he doesn't leave him under the tree. But he becomes a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus says to him, you haven't seen anything yet. So not only is God very personal and Jesus very personal, but what dreams do you have? What dreams do you have that you hope God would do in your life? What 
aspirations do you have that you say, God, this is what I'm hoping for. This is what I'm believing for. This is what I really believe you want to do in my life. Do you realize that Nathaniel had the same thoughts? He had things that he desired. He had dreams that he had in his head. And Jesus said, you haven't seen anything yet. So I'm excited about the fact that you have dreams because God is going to do beyond those and bigger than those. Do you know what Nathaniel's next mentioned in Scripture, in the book of John? He's not mentioned at all until the very, very end of John. I believe it's John 21. And uh, he is with the other disciples, a few other disciples, and it's after Jesus was crucified. And Peter is just like, I'm going fishing. Kind of like, eh. And then the other disciples are like, all right, we'll go. And Nathaniel is one of them. And while they're out, they hear a voice on the shore, and it's Jesus. Nathaniel saw Jesus resurrected, alive, after he died. Nathaniel, you're going to see way greater things than that. And that isn't even the biggest thing. Because you're going to see me in my glory one day in the heavens, when heaven meets earth. Nathaniel, you're going to see so much more. It's going to be so amazing. Nathaniel goes on. Many scholars believe that he went on to be a missionary to India and maybe Armenia. He was killed for his faith. Why? Because he led a king to the Lord. That's what they say. He went to the top. He said, I am going to win this guy to the Lord. So today, as we go into worship, I mean, all the songs we sing, why are they, why are they written the way they are? You know, it's not like, you know, we sing oceans like, you call the church big sea upon the water. You don't sing that, right? You know, you know, the so will I song, like, so will the church big sea. I'm available if you need me on the team, by the way. (laughs) But no, the songs we sing are personal, right? When we sing songs like that, we sing, you know, your praise will ever be on my lips. You know, so will I. Like, this is, these, are, these are like confessions and commitments personally to God. And as we sing, why don't you guys stand? As we sing today, I want you to think about that. I want you to, to really say, God, I'm crossing over a line. This is it, man. I, I want to sense you. And maybe you feel like God's far away. I want you to, to really press in and, and ask God to, to make himself real to you today. Maybe you find, need to find a spot in the warehouse somewhere. Very free. You guys know this place. You guys can find a spot. Maybe you just need to have a personal conversation with him while the songs are being sung. Whatever it is that you need to do to really tap into what's true about God being your God. So Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for today. And we ask, God, that, that this, these moments would be moments where we're able to press into the presence, Lord God, that is um, not only around us, but within us. And so, Lord, these songs are not going to be songs like we've sung before. Um, they're going to be songs, Lord God, that we're singing from our heart. Let these be confessions, Lord God. Maybe before we're able to actually would ever be able to write these words down or be able to speak them, Lord God, to someone else, help us to sing them to you. And Lord God, help it to awaken something in our heart that is so personal, that cuts to the heart because you care about our greatest needs in our life. 
the need to belong, the need to know you, the, the need to have purpose and meaning. God, help us never forget that you are a personal God. So Psalm 139 starts out this way. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I think the phrase that Jesus said to Nathaniel that throws me off the most is that I saw you before. I saw you before. And, and Jesus didn't want Nathaniel to stay under the tree. He wanted to take Nathaniel on the adventure of his life. And I really believe the same is for us. You know, God sees us before we're wanting to see him, before we desire, before we're looking. He sees us when we get up. He sees the Instagram follows, the people we follow. He sees the Snapchat post. He sees all the stuff. He sees us and he loves us. And he's like, I don't want you to stay under the tree. I want you to come with me. And that's the hardest part, you know, when you know someone who makes difficult choices, you maybe are there yourself or you have family or whatever, and it's this idea that I can't live your faith for you. It's up to you. It's your faith, and you have to be the one that steps over the line that says, I don't want to stand under the tree anymore. Maybe you have a Philip in your life that has asked you to come. Maybe you're hearing and you've heard the whispers of the Holy Spirit today, that he doesn't want you to stand under the tree. He wants to, to say to you, you haven't seen anything yet. You haven't seen anything yet. Everything on your bucket list, I'm going to blow your mind. So as we go, may that encourage somebody in the room today. May it encourage all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that you see us, that you see us in all of our mess, all of our complexity, all of our challenges, all of our issues, the struggles that are real, everything, Lord, and you see us sitting under our tree, wherever that may be, and Lord, you say to us, don't stay there. You love us out of that, and you say, let's begin to become who I've called you to be more and more each day. Lord, help us to, to trust you with who you say we are, that you, that you have said that we are children of God. Lord, help us to trust you in that. That in our mess, that in all of that, that you're there with us on a personal level, speaking to our heart and caring for us. Lord, help us to be open to that. Help us to look and to listen for you this week. Lord, we, we so desire what you have for us. And we run and we run and we run. And then there's these moments, Lord, where we realize that you are here and you're with us and you're whispering to us to come out and to follow you. So Lord, let, may, us, uh, may us all be light in dark places this week. May we bring um, your love, your generosity, your grace to every situation. Help us be your hands and feet this week. We thank you for all this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.